So we are finishing up our series today on our core values. You know, if you're brand new to our, our gathering, one of the things you may wonder, especially if you're not a follower of Jesus, is how do I do everything in this book? Like, there's a lot written in here. How do I remember it all? How do I know it all? People ask Jesus the same question, and he said, okay, just chill. Uh, there's only four things you need to remember. And he said this, here's the four things you need to remember. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, all your soul, all your mind. Oh yeah, and a second is equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. It's all about the heart, soul, and your mind. And it's all about loving other people. We say it this way, and if you ever wonder what does it mean to follow Jesus, and what is this church all about, it's about these four things right here. Can we say these together? Hope for the heart is found in Jesus. Healing for the soul is found in Jesus. Peace of mind is found in Jesus. And purpose in the world is found in Jesus. If you have a Bible, let's go to Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 5. We're going to continue Hero Maker today. Hero Maker. Uh, everybody is a hero maker. Come on, turn to somebody and tell them you're a hero maker. You are a hero maker. You know what I love about this church? And I, I didn't grow up in a church that talked to each other. Raise your hand if you didn't grow up in a church where they talked to other people. Like the preacher was the only one who talked. Raise your hand. That's one. Okay. Some of you grew up, how many grew up Pentecostal where everybody was talking except the preacher? <laughs> it's like everybody was talking all the time. I think it's so awesome how we encourage one another in our faith and in our walk. We show up here to encourage one another. So Luke chapter 5, today I want to talk to you about the power of purpose. You're a hero maker and you have the power of purpose in you. If you don't have a Bible, um, download version. It's an app and on there, under events, look for Core Church. All the scriptures are right there. And so if you're new to the scriptures, um, Luke was not one of the 12 disciples. This is what is called one of the gospels, but Luke was not one of the disciples. He actually, though, talked to the disciples and talked to eyewitness accounts, and then he wrote down this the stories of Jesus, and we get a great one here in chapter 5. So I'm going to read a few verses here. I read out of the New Living Translation. This is uh, verse 1. One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. That's what you're doing right now. You're pressing in. If you want to hear from God, you have to press in. Come on, turn to somebody behind you and in front of you and say, press in in, just not on me. Press in, just not on me. If you want to hear from God, some of you go walk out of here today and you go, I ain't get nothing. I got nothing. And the person next to you can be like, whoa! And they're going to have it all over them because they, they pressed in. He noticed two empty boats at the water's edge for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets and stepping into one of the boats. Jesus asked Simon, who would, uh, for you churchgoers, he would become Peter. He owned the boat, said, will you push it out into the water? So he sat in the boat and he taught the crowds from there. Man, that's the way to do church. On a day like today, I wish I was on a lake preaching from a boat. That would be awesome. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, that's Peter, go out to where it's deeper, let down your nets to catch some fish. And Simon's like, hey, uh, we worked hard all last night, didn't catch a thing, but if you say so, I'll... I'll let down my nets again. And this time, somebody say this time, there were, their nets were so full of fish, they began to tear. 
So Shout for Help brought their partners in the other boat. Soon all the boats were filled with fish and they were on the verge of sinking. Come on, the fishermen said, Amen. When Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and he said this, Oh Lord, please leave me. I'm, I'm a sinful man. For he was awestruck by the number of fish they had caught as were all the others that were with him. His partners, James and John, who would also become some of Jesus' closest followers and disciples. They were amazed. So Simon Peter said this, or Jesus said this to Simon Peter, don't be afraid. From now on, you're going to be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and they followed Jesus. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you now for this holy moment to, to learn and to listen and to grow in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. All right, you may be seated. I want to talk about the power of purpose, and the thing we say a lot around here is you were created on purpose for a purpose. Encourage two people around you and tell them you were created on purpose by Almighty God. You were created on purpose by Almighty God. We all want to be used by God. We all want to get to the end of our life and know that it mattered, that it, that it, that it had some significance to it. And today I want to introduce you to some people that are very, very close to, to Laura and I because they're family, and I want you to hear their story today. Uh, it's Juan Manuel and Shauna. Come on out here, Juan Manuel and Shauna, if you would come out, and let's give them some love as they come. I think. Oh, there they are. Okay. Here they come. So uh, Juan Manuel and, and Shauna are um, actually family to us, and I wanted you to hear their, their story today as we kind of have this adoption and foster care Sunday, but we're also talking about living our lives on purpose. And I thought it would be good for us to hear how, um, from their perspective, and then also look at it, how it also parallels Peter's perspective here in this story. And you're going to hear this beautiful story and be introduced to their daughter, Janelle, who they adopted when she was about a year old. And we're going to give you a chance to hear that story. So Shauna, um, I've known Shauna, Shauna for a, a long time, and, and uh, in fact, she was the flower girl in our wedding. Look at this picture. This is a picture of Shauna right there on the right, right above the, right above the good-looking guy there. You know, um, I know it's hard to see her because uh, that guy is so stunning, uh, but that's Shauna. Right next to her, that's Juan Manuel on the left. Uh, when he was young, he was, he was blonde and white. So, uh, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. He's not. Actually, Juan Manuel's from Ecuador, uh, and he's born in Ecuador and, and uh, has lived there uh, for a lot of his life. And I want us to celebrate before we go any further, because Juan Manuel, just about six weeks ago, got his U.S. citizenship. Can we celebrate with him? That is so awesome. I, I sat in a cafe with him, and he, he showed me the test that you take. And uh, the first five questions, I got like three of five wrong. I felt like I was going to have my citizenship taken away. All of us would fail the test, by the way. It's, I was like, man, they're serious about this. I was like, man, whew. But uh, congratulations on that. That is phenomenal. And today, I'm going to have you guys, you know, share this phenomenal story. And it really parallels um, the story of Peter and, and his calling and I want us to pull out of this some things that I think are going to be helpful for you. So I want you to take some notes today because I'm going to give you some things that will be some key essentials to living out your purpose, okay? So here, here's the first one. Let's go to Luke 5, 2. We'll find it there. It's talking about Jesus noticed that there were two, say these words with me, two what? Empty boats. This is key. Empty boats. 
at the water's edge. For the fishermen had, had left them. They were washing their nets and stepping into one of the boats. Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it out into the water. Now, get the picture here. Peter, he's not a disciple at this point. He's just a guy. He's just fishing. He's minding his own business, and suddenly Jesus steps into his boat and radically alters his destiny. Here's the first thing I want you to write down. Here's what God's looking for. God's looking for empty vessels that he can fill with his purpose. God is looking for empty vessels that he can fill with his purpose. And so when I see your story and I look at the life of Peter, Peter's minding his own business. You guys were minding your own business. You were newly married. You got married in Ecuador. You've been married about eight months, and you were attending church there. And you walk in on a Sunday morning, just like all of you, just imagine you just walked in on a Sunday morning, just, just going to church, and, and what happened? Um, our pastor announced the need. Um, he described that there was a little girl who had had some surgeries in a um, condition called hydrocephalus that needed some care um, after she got out discharged from the hospital for a couple months before she would go back to the jungle where she's from. Um, and so... We heard that, but um, we had agreed we weren't even going to talk about having children until it'd been about a year. And um, I had quite a desire in my heart to care for little ones with situations like that, especially hydrocephalus from a previous orphan that I had um, helped care for. And so um, tears kind of welled up in my eyes when I heard about the story, but I thought, I can't say anything because we already have this agreement. And he was also ignoring it like, we're newlyweds. We wanted to adopt, but our plan was to have a biological child and then sandwich, so the adopted child in the middle, somehow that would make it better. So long story short, we didn't see this as the way the plan should go, but our pastor approached us afterwards and said, hey, did I, I saw your faces when I mentioned that, because we were front rowers at the time, and he said... Lesson on that is to don't sit on the front row. That's what you need to learn. That's why some of you sit in the back. Ain't going to happen to me. It's got to get all the way to the back first. Okay, nobody said yes. Okay, I'm good. Sitting on the front row, he sees you after church. And he says, well, would you be willing to pray about it? And, and so I think he was like, sure, but he's just not sure what he's talking about. And I'm like, yes, because I'm like really wanting this. But um, so we actually did go home and I prayed about it and I felt like this is not for us because of, again, our season. And so I just asked the Lord that if he wanted it, he would do the work in Juan Manuel's heart. And then I never brought it up again because it just felt so surreal, like this thing doesn't happen to us. And then, um, do you want to share? So how, how when you, because in church world, come on, if you've been in church for any amount of time, it's just a typical thing we say, hey, and the, the pastor or the ministry leader will come to you and say, hey, would you pray about this? And our, our way of getting out of it is to say, yeah, I'll, I'll pray about it. That's, that's the Christian equivalent to no. It's just, we know that, by the way, every staff member knows that, so whenever you tell a staff member, hey, I'll be praying about that, we know, oh, that's a no. That's a no on that one, need to move to the next person. But did you, so I know that she was praying, um, but Juan Manuel, were you praying? Tell us about that. What was that like for you during that process? Uh, no, honestly, I wasn't. I thought it was not a calling for me at that point. I, I you know, eight months into marriage, I just thought, you know, I'm just learning to be a husband and and, you know, the plan was to talk about it in the second year. So anyway, it just wasn't, I wasn't praying about it. I didn't think it was for us. Um, God moved in me. I mean, about three weeks later, uh, I heard a message from a pastor online that just convicted me. I was with Shauna, and it was a weekend. And 
it just broke me. That's it. Just out of nowhere. Uh, you know, I was like, God, really? And it was about basically sharing your blessing. You know, just God say when he pours into you, you're supposed to open your hands and not hold your blessings to yourself in a way, you know, and whether it's financially or anything, I had gotten a, a, a raise in my, in, in my a job at, in that week or that month, and yeah, we had a little tiny apartment, but still we were comfortable, you know, I mean, we've been in missions, Sean, I was doing missions, I had done missions in the jungle of Ecuador as well in many areas, but so we've seen the poverty and how, the needs of other people, so we were comfortable, you know, and so yeah, anyway, I, I thought, I'll follow God, you know, I'll trust you, I get it, you know, so, hey, they said two months, somebody can, can the, the announcement was to, to take care of baby girl for two months until she'll get better and go back to the orphanage in the jungle or back to a relative that would take her, um, but that didn't happen, so I don't know if you want me to go tell there. Us about, uh, tell us about her condition and why that is absolutely just impossible for that to happen. Um. Well, the first, there's a belief in the jungle a lot of times in the area where she's from that that brings something like a curse on the family. So sometimes children are discarded of in various ways. Um, in her situation, she needed to be, the doctors told us, 15 minutes from a neurosurgery team so that if any moment she needed a life-saving surgery, um, that she could have that. And so she... Um, got up um, in utero. She was infected from a parasitic infection that um, caused everything subsequently that followed. So hydrocephalus, which is increased liquid in your brain in place of brain, and then calcified parts of her brain, and then that caused cerebral palsy, which affects her ability to use her muscles and body, uh, quadriplegia, so she can't sit or hold her head or walk, and then many other things like not being able to swallow or talk or... Um, See, she has um, loss of vision and blindness of brain in multiple ways. Um, feeding tubes so that she can get sustenance. Epilepsy, and the list could go on. And so, and we, we were told from the social workers who did the report and the family that likely what happened is um, in the jungle of Ecuador, it's very common sometimes for them to use a poisonous leaf to try to abort the child. So the mom was um, 14 when she got pregnant and 15 um, when Janelli was born and she got pregnant, and when she found out that the uh, father, the biological father, wanted nothing to do with her, she tried to take the leaf and abort Janelle, and it was unsuccessful. And then around five months, um, we think that Janelle was about five months, she also used a poisonous leaf to end her own life. And so when Janelle was born, she, her, she was already very, very sick, also born with meningitis, and just her head, her head was already enlarging. And so thankfully, at some point, the grandma... The biological grandma stepped in after her mom ended her life and took her to the hospital where they saw this very sick child that could not be treated in the jungle and reached out to an orphanage that said yes and really shouldn't have because it would say yes to a lot of medical bills they couldn't afford because they already had so many sick and terminal children. And then we were in Quito in the city where she was brought and she just continued to need surgery after surgery and not be able to overcome infection. Um, but that's kind of... Where we came into place, all we knew was that she had hydrocephalus, she'd had surgeries, and there was supposed to be some kind of recovery. But it became quick, it became evident very quickly that there was no recovery and that it wasn't going to be possible for her to return to the jungle and survive. So there were, and there were two other families from the church that, that stepped in and said, We'd be willing to do this. Um, and you got to, how were you guys 
chosen out of those three? The pediatrician said that he um, recommended us because we had no children, and that was uh, um, better for her health based off her immune system. So there were much more competent families with children and experience. Um, he, he'd never even changed a poopy diaper, which I'm told is normal, but... Um, it's, it's every man's story. We don't, the oh, first poopy know, diaper we change is our own kids, yeah. And I feel like it was, we're, we look back like, what were we thinking? Because we had nothing for a child, but it was so neat because in that moment when... The church found out we were chosen for Janelli. You know, I went to the closest market to buy as much as we could. And the mom's group started taking collections of all kinds of random things. And so I'll never forget just sacks of things we bought and sacks of donation donations to try to put together a place for this little baby girl in our apartment. So we were like super unprepared. I, I love the word you use there when you were chosen. Because the one thing that we expect is that I'm going to go out and somehow search around. i got to find God's will. i got to find my purpose. i got to find it. I hope I don't miss it. I hope I don't miss it. And really, it's, it's about seeking after God and being available. And that's where you guys just, you're so much like Peter in this story that you, you were just an empty vessel. You were, you were willing to say yes. And I know that about you, Sean, at the time. I didn't know you, Juan Manuel, but I know that you guys had that spirit in you to say do you, I mean, is that how you are? Is like, just whatever you want, God, I'll do it? Or how does that, how is that for you? Not that easy, you know? I wouldn't say that easy. Um, but yeah, we ended up there surrendering, I guess, you know. I had my ideals about what family should be, or like my path, my family should be like kind of thing, you know, set home, prepare financially, and so forth. And then we talk about first biological, you know, kids first, and then adopting we always wanted to adopt anyway, but anyhow, God has a different, had a different plan, and I guess to answer your question was, um, it was more of like dying to yourself, just to be honest, I'll be honest. I had to let go a lot of ideals and, and say, God, I trust you, and you, I mean, I got to say one other thing that for us, we were talking about this since that we both were rescued from God, I mean, salvation, but, you know, 10 years before, God just changed my life radically and had filled my life with so much of him and I think if that wouldn't have been there I would have been way I mean I would have dodged this one big time you know and not to say I'm super faithful but I think that was the same for you it's the same for both of us we'd um, both had our own rough journey and singleness and life not in Christ and um, in the years previous to meeting each other and and then a little bit before Janelle just we'd seen God do some great things not only by bringing us together kind of miraculously but um just walking through like grace and trust in him. And so I feel like we were, when we were talking about it, we said, you know, why did we, why did we feel so fearless, so to speak, and even naive and crazy at that time? Because I don't know if that's where I'm at now, but we, we, we think a lot of it was just, he'd really poured into us. We both felt like we could trust him because we just seen him do so many great things interpersonally and spiritually in our walk with him, but also physically in our lives, tangibly speaking. So it was kind of like, this is crazy, but let's go for it. Um. And that's what I love about your, your story. And I, I just appreciate you being so open and honest about your journey. Because uh, in the life of Peter, what we're going to see here next is this idea that uh, you feel a feeling unworthy or feeling completely unqualified. Uh, if, if you look, so Jesus, Jesus says, let down your nets in the story. And then the, you know, the story, as I just read, is nets are completely full. The boats are like sinking. And in verse 8, it says this, when Simon Peter realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, oh, Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful person. In other words, Peter 
felt completely unworthy at this moment, completely unqualified to be even near Jesus. And here's the second thing I want you to write down about discovering your life purpose, and that God's looking for broken people to reach a broken world. God's looking for broken people to reach a broken world, people who are not qualified, people that feel unworthy, and, and that's your journey. Yeah, um, I was sharing in the last service that I had always had a dream of being a missionary, but I never felt worthy. I never, I felt like that was for some kind of super Christian and that was never going to be me. And when I met him, he was serving in missions and God opened the door for me to serve, but I was struggling a lot, hitting a wall with, no, the, I, I can't, it's not for me. And he encouraged me to go on a retreat with the Lord. And, and that is when I felt like God said, um, you aren't, but I make you worthy. I give you my worth. I've made you mine. And, you know, just your identity in Christ. So it really freed me to say, yeah, I don't deserve this. I'm not worthy, but he has made me worthy. So for all the work we were doing before we met Janelli, and even in this process, it's just freedom to know, yeah, I don't bring anything to the table. He does it. Um, and now he gives us these great gifts to like serve him and do something I'm unworthy to do, but he's given me the privilege of doing. What would you say? Yeah, I, I love God's uh, sense of humor in that he says, I'm going to pick the ones that don't have kids, and I'm going to have them take this child on. But then you can see, I'm sure you see now on the back end of that, now that it's been almost six, five plus years, uh, do you see why you were chosen? Do you feel still inadequate, or do you feel qualified after five years? Do you have that sense of destiny? Wow. Uh I still feel inadequate, got to be honest, uh, constantly. Uh, you know. That's just crazy. You're like one of the best dads I've ever seen. <laughs> I try to tell You're him the same good thing. to me. No, uh, I'm not say, kidding you. I'm like, really? you can't come stay at our house when our family's around because you make me look like a bad dad. <laughs> no way. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I got to say, it's uh, dependence on Christ. That's all I can say, you know, every day for me. I have to depend on him because I feel like I could be the not, not a very good dad and sometimes I'm just grouchy with my wife and it's just I'm tired all the time the demands of the physical demands of taking care of baby girl is just a lot and let's talk let's talk about that I want right. to talk about that right now all because right. <laughs> you, you, when you come up and you share like this you're like oh that's so nice I and mean, you don't talk about sometimes the reality and the hardships and when you look at the life of Peter you think oh man it must be amazing must be incredible but I want you to look at this story again I want you to catch one little thing in this in, in verse 10 Jesus said this, don't be afraid. From now on, you're going to be fishing for people. So that's when Jesus says, you, Peter didn't get to pick. He didn't get to pick his purpose. You don't get to pick your purpose. Jesus picked it for him and said, this is what you're going to do. And by the way, your purpose will always involve people. And then he said this in verse 11. It says this, as soon as they landed, say these three words with me. They left everything. One more time. They left everything. In the story, Peter did not leave empty nets. When Peter, James, and John walked away, the nets were full, and they had to walk away from that. And, and, and here's what I want you to write down. The last thing is God, God's looking for people who are willing to pay the price. God is looking for people who are willing to pay the price. Listen, I'm just shooting straight with you. I mean, as living this out in my own life, there is a price to your calling. 
And this is why so many people never fulfill their purpose in their life. It's because they're unwilling to pay the price. In other words, say, it ain't about my gain. You, you guys were set up. Eight months, no kids, a future, counseling. You're going to be a counselor, all these great things. Talk to us. Give us an idea. And I know you live in the day-to-day, so it's kind of become your normal. But what a day is like for you guys because you're on call 24-7 with her. Um, so Janelle's fed through a feeding tube, like I mentioned. So every day we have a routine of preparing the food and the medicines, um, giving, giving her the feeding through um, a tube that takes about a 45-minute process, sometimes more. And then I have about 45 minutes to get anything done that I can while she digests. But you always keep an eye on her because she can get in a position that she can't get out of and with her head falling out of her chair... Um, or out of the brace. Um, she struggles with swallowing, so sometimes uh, she can aspirate and it goes to her lungs, so we have to keep an eye on if we need to help her or if we need to rescue her with suction. Um, and so then after that, you know, there's going to be cleanup, um, stretching. She has to have continuous therapy because of the conditions with her body. Um, and when we're not there, we're driving to therapy or doctor's appointments. She has about 15 doctors and specialists right now on her team that we need to see regularly. Um, and so then we just repeat that all day long. And like he mentioned, the physical lifting is probably the hardest because it just takes a toll and, and makes you sore. But um, the sleep is the biggest challenge because she doesn't know day from night because of the loss of vision. So sometimes on a very, actually, it's a normal night that she will sleep till maybe 2.30 or 3. And then trying to keep her quiet enough where I can sort of sleep, but then not but shut off so I can sleep, not being worried about her. Um, that's, that's a little bit of day-to-day. Wow. I mean, just, um, man, that's, that's like sacrifice on a level that I don't know that I've ever really met many people like that. that and I remember when you guys were going through this process, and I remember the, the, the conversations and the rumblings through, through, the, through the family, like, this is crazy. This is, this is nuts. What are they, what are they doing? And and I remember even thinking myself, I was like, but honestly, I was kind of like, this is one of the most amazing things I've ever heard. And I just remember how much we prayed for you. And, um, how, and, and now you're coming into the winter season, which is so dangerous for her. Uh, one, how many times was she in the hospital last winter, just last winter? About seven times. Seven times in and out of? She's viruses and flus and stuff. It takes her a lot more to recover, you know. Just most kids fight it off in two or three days when... You know, for her, it's really hard. And we have to suction and clear her lungs or whatever needed. So, yeah, it's a little more taxing for sure. So there's incredible sacrifice, but I do want you to speak to the reward. Um, because in this, what you see in Peter is it was incredible sacrifice. But, man, Peter went on to be in char- charge of the church. He started the church. 3,000 people came to Christ in his very first sermon. And, and talk about the reward that you have in your life because Janelle is your daughter. Uh, First off, just a closer relationship with the Lord. You know, I've grown. I can definitely can see five years ago I wasn't the same guy I'm not right now. Um, growing in as a, as a husband with my wife, we've been just closer with each other. We've fought the battles together and helped be, be there for each other. Battle buddies. Battle buddies. We're there for each other, and it's a teamwork. And lastly, most importantly, and this is something I actually forgot to say in the previous service, but it's the reward of seeing Janelli. You know, you see her right now. She's she's sleeping. Uh, she likes to 
uh, falsely, but um, she's a light and she's peace. And you've, 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 you've mentioned that. You've seen this. And just see her alive and thinking, you know, I guess I don't feel like I'm the rescuer or we are the rescuers. Definitely Jesus. He gave us the strength the whole time. He put the cause in our hearts and it all made it work. And she knows she's loved. We're crazy about her. And she loves us back. As selfish as we are, we love that. You know, we like to hear her sounds and, and cooings and why not. Uh, uh, but when we see that, when I see her happy, I'm like, man, I look at back at the, all the hospitalizations and the surgeries and the ICU nights and why not. And I'm like, it was worth it. And it's kingdom purpose. And it's, it's, I don't know. I guess I see her how I think Jesus, oh, Father God sees me, you know, uh, helpless. And I don't know. With a lot of love. What I, what I see, too, and I don't want us to miss today, is um, not only does Juan Manuel and Shauna have a purpose, but Janelle has a purpose. Like, when we say we, that every person is created on purpose for a purpose, every single person on this earth has value, has worth, has something to contribute and give into the kingdom of God, Honestly, I think Janelli may give more into the kingdom than any of us could ever imagine giving. I, I, I've told you guys this before, but when, I am, when I'm around her, and if you get close to her and you see it, I think you'll pick up on this, is when I look into her face, it's crazy to me. I feel like I'm looking into the face of Jesus I don't know how to explain that to you, that when I, like last night, we were uh, sitting around, and, and uh, uh, Laura's mom was playing the piano, and we were singing these old hymns, because he lives, and dude, you, you, you brought it, man. Uh, Janelle was like, ah, dad, please, uh, a little more mom, a little less dad. <laughs> I'm just messing with you, but Janelle was... Um, just on the, the love seat, and she was, she was looking up, and you could see her, her eyes just moving. And I just, just looking, I just like just looking at her because I, I see the face of Christ. And I feel like when I'm around her, I have this ability to become a little bit more like Jesus. And I think about, if you think your life has no purpose, this is a girl that was not going to make it, was in the jungles of Ecuador. And God saw her in the jungles of Ecuador. And said, I have a purpose and I have a destiny for you. Pulled her out of all of that, brought her to some people who would say yes. And now you've shared at your church, you've, you've shared here. Um, we record this, it'll be on a podcast so it could go anywhere. Uh, I mean, just her voice is being heard all over the impact that she's having. God has a purpose and a plan for all of us. I want us to pray for this beautiful couple and Janelli and for their future. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for hope. Thank you for a beautiful story of self-sacrifice. God, I pray that strength would be there for Shauna. Healing for her body. She's dealing with her own physical condition that we didn't even talk about. heal her body. I pray for Juan Manuel that you would just give him confidence. Thank you for Janelli. I don't know why, God, but I just see 
I see a great purpose in her life beyond this moment, that you're going to use her story to impact thousands. She's going to be one of your greatest voices. Praise be to your name for that in Jesus' name. Amen.